Good afternoon. This is Richard Shu, host of Shoe Untied. Today, I'm very pleased to have with us my guest, Ian Ballon, who's a partner at Greenberg Trorick. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's good to be here. Now, Ian, I've known you for a very long time. Uh, I know you're you know, well-known as an internet IP litigator, but why don't I ask you to start off by telling me, how do you describe your practice? What, what do you, how, do you, how do you describe your practice in your own words? Um, my, my practice focuses on internet and mobile litigation. About half of my practice is intellectual property litigation, uh, and about half of my practice is the defense of security breach and data privacy class action suits. Uh, all of my cases involve technology, so it's a technology litigation practice, but it's evolved over, te- over time uh, from uh, just IP litigation to also now encompassing data privacy and security breach litigation. Now tell me how you got into intellectual property. Were you an engineer as, a, as a, in college? Tell me how you got an IP to begin with. That, that's a good question. Actually, when I was in college, I was debating between uh, going to law school and pursuing a PhD in Soviet studies. As it uh, turned out, that wouldn't have been very productive because I would have uh, gotten my PhD just about the time that the Berlin Wall had fallen, uh, and I would have had to retool as something else. So I think I made the right decision. Um, I originally thought that I was going to focus more on private um, international law, a- countervailing uh, duties and anti-dumping, because I really was very interested in world affairs uh, and economics, and I was living in the D.C. area. But for personal reasons, I moved to the Bay Area, and it seemed in the late 80s that what was most interesting in Silicon Valley was what at the time was called computer law. Hmm. So I, uh, I got involved uh, uh, in uh, software copyright and trade secret litigation, and by the mid-1990s, more of that work was involving the Internet. Hmm. Um, and my practice morphed more into an internet litigation practice when I got talked into writing uh, a treatise on internet law by Ray Ocampo, who was the general counsel of Oracle. All right. I had given a speech on internet law at the 1995 ABA convention, and Ray was the chair of the computer litigation committee at the time, and he was so impressed that I had come up with a 19-page outline on internet law back in 1995 that he convinced me that between his practical experience and my exhaustive research, we could write a 100-page book on internet law. Hmm. Uh, And because he's actually a much smarter man than I am, after he negotiated the contract and convinced me that this would be an easy thing to do. Uh, he pulled out. He's uh, since retired on stock options and is a renaissance man of leisure, and uh, I'm still billing clients by the hour. So <laughs> he had a better perspective on, uh, on how to manage his practice. But that's, uh, that's essentially how my practice morphed from copyright trade secret more to an internet practice. And uh, uh, publishing the treatise, which actually took five years as opposed to the six months that Ray had, uh, had projected... Uh, uh, ended up um, being very helpful in focusing more on my practice on internet and uh, and these days increasingly mobile technology. So tell me a little bit about the kinds of cases, when you say internet law, tell me some of the kinds of cases you would litigate typically that you would classify as internet law. Uh, sure, that's a, that's a great question. Um, a number of the cases that I uh, litigate our cases for platforms, uh, companies uh, such as eBay and others that provide a platform uh, and get sued based on alleged user 
activity. And so many of my cases involve uh, the Digital Millennium Copyright Act, uh, Safe Harbors, or the application of the Communications Decency Act, which is a, a federal exemption, uh, the Innocent Publishers Defense under uh, trademark law, um, you know, or similar claims, occasionally uh, patent cases where we argue that uh, uh, that a product is not being offered for sale. Mm -hmm. um, but ge generally, uh, software copyright, uh, trade secret, trademark, uh, domain name um, cases, uh, cases of that nature. And then, uh, as I say, in the last six to seven years, uh, a lot more of my docket has uh, has been cases involving data privacy and security breach cases. Mm. Do you find those to be you know, substantially different, or is it really a very logical extension of the internet stuff you were doing before? Uh, for, for me, it's a logical extension. All of these cases uh, involve questions of technology, and to win these cases, I need to translate for judges and juries uh, technology and explain what's going on and why my client uh, is not liable. Mm -hmm. uh, and I say why well, my client's not liable. I tend to represent more defendants in these cases, although in the IP area, uh, I also represent plaintiffs sometimes. Now, when you look back at your historic career, are there any particular cases that kind of stand out or particular experiences that kind of really stand out as something really exciting you enjoyed in your career? Uh, I, I enjoy most of my cases. Um, I'm very fortunate to work with uh, really great clients. Um, In-house lawyers at, uh, at companies, particularly tech companies, tend to be very smart, very strategic, uh, and it's, it's a lot of fun to partner with uh, with smart lawyers in developing strategy and winning cases. Um, so I've, I've been pretty fortunate. I really like most of my cases. The only ones that stand out as ones that I don't like are uh, cases where, uh, where opposing counsel was, uh, uh, was trying to help his client uh, by, by creating unnecessary fights and things that really just uh, uh, lower the... Uh, uh, the the nature of debate, uh, but I, I've had some interesting cases. I've had one case that uh, that has been going on for 17 years now. We've been to the U.S. Supreme Court once, the Second Circuit twice. Wow. Uh, it's not the uh, uh, the best example of the judicial system working efficiently. Uh, it was uh, start. It started as four uh, copyright putative class action cases that were filed at a time when Bill Clinton was president, mm. uh, and the case has persisted through uh, three other presidents. Wow. And here we are today. Uh, so that's certainly been the longest uh, case, uh, and there have been a number of reasons for that. Uh, but you know, I've had a lot of very interesting cases. What I what I enjoy is the opportunity to be very strategic at the outset of a case, whether I'm representing a plaintiff or defendant. Um, really try to figure out how best to frame the case because how you how you appear to a judge at the outset uh, really sets a tone for the whole case. Mm -hmm. And it's quite important to make sure that um, uh, that you present a story that's compelling and that uh, uh, that makes sense. And also, again, it, it, because in the technology area, uh, you're often dealing with either technologies or business models that tend to lag behind the development of law. It's really quite important to frame the case in terms of the proper claims or defenses. Mm -hmm.
Now, it seems like, obviously, you really enjoy litigation. Was that something you liked instantly, or did it take a while for you to figure out that, hey, I really like litigation as opposed to other areas of law? You know, that, that's, an interesting, uh, that's an interesting question. When I was in law school, I thought that I wanted to be a tax lawyer because uh, a friend of mine's father was a tax lawyer, and he had convinced me that that, would, uh, that was an interesting thing to do. I really enjoyed the first tax class that I took in law school, which was uh, very helpful. And then the second class I took on corporate tax, um, I really didn't enjoy very much, and I thought, well, maybe this isn't for me. And I, so I thought that actually um, I would focus more on private international law, um, which combined my interests in foreign policy, economics, and law. Uh, but after a summer experience where I got to work in both tax and, uh, and litigation, I found that I actually liked litigation. I really liked the opportunity to frame a case, mm. that it seems to me that litigation, particularly intellectual property litigation and, and technology litigation more generally, is very much like a chess game. And you, and, and you really have to have the right strategy. You need to think several moves down down the road, uh, and there are always lots of options. And it, you know, I talk about that with clients frequently that uh, that it's helpful to think of litigation as a chess game, and we we will always have lots of options. We can't control what the other side's going to do. We can't control what the judge is going to do, but we certainly have different moves that we can make to uh, to accomplish a business objective. Now, it sounds like you've been doing the internet for a long time. Do you do you have a real, pretty good understanding of the technology behind the internet at this point? I mean, I assume you probably have a pretty good understanding of it. Uh, you know, I'm a liberal arts guy, so I don't uh, I don't have an engineering degree. Uh, but because I got um, because I was working with software uh, back in the uh, in the early days before Al Gore created the internet, <laughs> um, and uh, and then have been working with technology since that time, I'm I'm quite comfortable with the with the issues that I that I litigate. Obviously, there are cases where I'll be dealing with a new technology or a new software program or platform, uh, and one of the first things you have to do is to come up to speed. I, I like to surround myself with smart people, uh, including um, uh, smart associates and, and, and associates with technical degrees. Um, but really, my job is to be a translator, uh, to make sure that a non-technical judge and a non-technical jury can understand uh, a technology case in, in very basic human terms. Now, you obviously have a very successful practice. You've got this treatise that you work on. Uh, is there anything else that you are hoping to do or accomplish? Or, you know, you just want to keep doing the practice and doing the book? Or do you have other things that you want to do, still do? Uh, you know, the, I mean, well, I mean, I'd, I'd love to spend more time on the beach and I'd like to travel more. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, you know, in my career, I've been very fortunate to be... Uh, to work with interesting clients on interesting cases, and I'd like to continue doing that. Um, uh, I, I feel like I'm a, a bit of a case study in overcommitment because I've got a very active docket, but I also update my treatise every year, uh, and um, and and that occupies about 130% of my time. <laughs> so I constantly strive to be more efficient and to surround myself with uh, increasingly smarter and more efficient uh, attorneys who work on my team. Um, but, you know, I, I like what I'm doing, and the thing is that, that the world is always changing. I mean, uh, during the height of the boom, 
every six months what I was doing was different from the six months before that. Uh, that was the time of the most rapid transformation that I've seen in my career. And I don't know that I'm ever going to see uh, a period like that again. But, um, you know, even today, uh, from year to year, there are always new cases, new issues, new technologies, uh, and that keeps things interesting. So I'm, uh, I'm quite content where I am. Well, Ian, it's been a fascinating conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. I'd love to check in with you in a few years and see what else is do you're doing. Thank you. It's an honor to be here, and I, I appreciate the opportunity. This is Richard Shu and Ian Ballin. Thanks.